Thanks, worship team. So, good morning, everyone, again. And I realize there's a lot of uh, new faces and returning faces. So, we want to welcome you back in uh, worshiping with us this morning. So, uh, a little bit before we start the message today. So, the humans of VCBC video you saw earlier, you realize that is a little choppy. That's because that was just a preview version. And um, as we finish rolling through... Uh, the first season, or for the next few more weeks, then we'll actually have an extended version for uh, each one of these videos, so you can get a more in-depth understanding of some of the brothers and sisters in our community and how they are experiencing uh, their lives uh, in our community. So now that we're getting things rolling again, I know some of you are already thinking when you got the bulletin, like, this title, like, really, Fifty Shades of Grey, like, this sounds like something seemingly not so appropriate for, for a Sunday morning service title. But when I talk about Fifty Shades of Grey, I'm referring more about something maybe like this. So there are Fifty Shades that you can pick out from, from, from the color wheel. And it happens that the human eye can only recognize about 32 different shades. And Beyond that, it's become really vague to them. But more importantly, as someone who likes to do a lot of design artwork, I realize that if you put something that is cute and colorful and happy into something that's gray, automatically it doesn't look so happy or cheerful anymore. So, for example, so you can have something like this. So, if you have a cute cat and you decide to put 50 shades of gray over it, and it can look a little more sad. Or if you have a, a little young, handsome boy like this, and <laughs> if you put a little bit of gray over it, automatically it looks kind of dark and gloomy. And don't worry, he's not here today, so. But, but more importantly, I got special permission to do this. Thanks, Cindy. <laughs> so, so why am I talking about this? It seems to make no sense. But the point is, the color gray is usually something referred to something darker, something not so clear in our lives. And if you look at the actual definition of shades of gray, you realize that the, the phrase shade of gray usually refers to a situation that is not clear, particularly with regard to whether or not something is categorically evil. So we always have things that are black and something that is white, uh, that's white. And there are always seemingly things in the middle, in between, where we think we cannot decide whether this is something that is technically correct or not correct. And in some sense, this is almost like the title itself, Fifty Shades of Grey, where a lot of times these different titles, or even the term Christian, is being hijacked into something that was not originally what we intended, to the point where people who belong to that category is no longer happy to be labeled as these things. And in particular today, I wanted to talk a little bit about the idea of mental health, that mental health originally was something dealing with our psychological and our spiritual well-being. But over time, because of the science and technological and medical advances, 
a lot of times in our society, it's been reduced to something that is merely medical, that we can just treat with some sort of uh, 12-step program or something that we just use medication and we can overcome these problems. Not that these things are bad, but these things are not the only options or the only things we apply and then things will get better as a result. Even when we look at the idea of psalms, when we look at these psalms throughout the summer, as we talk about this theme of getting real with God, you realize that a lot of these psalmists, as they go through their own internal struggles, their internal psychological darkness in their lives, you realize that these are not things that popping uh, Prozac or, or, or some sort of antidepressant, and they will solve these problems for them. But there's something even deeper, darker in their own spiritual journey, in their darkness, in their spiritual journey, that they need to tend to, to find that consolation with. And so, today we look at a category of psalms known as the lament psalms. And these are psalms that are much more rich in emotions. Where you go through these 150 plus psalms in our, in our book, uh, in the Old Testament. You realize that in the lament psalms, uh, the psalmists are really upfront in expressing their discontent either with the world or with God himself. And it is in these situations, when they're put into these spiritual darkness, that they're able to pour out what is really on their hearts. And even especially when we talk about the idea of Father's Day today, we realize that men and fathers especially are the victims of mental health because of our upbringing, because of our cultural expectations, that when we go through mental illnesses, when we go through mental unhealthy conditions, we tend to repress our own sense of darkness, and we live a life that is not really truth and, uh, truthful and authentic. And even to a point where we live out a faith that is emotionally repressed, trying to be that strong rock in our household, in our companies, in our church, and pretend that everything is fine when in our own darkness, in our lives, things are really not as good as it seems to be. And so, um, before we go straight into the Psalm 11 that we're looking at today, I just want to ask a question to you guys. Raise your hand if you know at least one person that is suffering from some sort of mental illness or mental unhealthy condition right now. So we have at least two-thirds of our congregation that know somebody who's going through something like this. And chances are a good portion of these people are not just any secular or non-believer a lot of these people are also Christians themselves. These are the same people that have at some point in their life found hope and love and peace in this loving Father that we have also pursued in our own lives. 
but some incident, some disappointment, or some sort of perceived failures in their lives caused them to plunge into this sort of darkness. And so, as we look at the first few verses in Psalm 13, we realize that there's a recurring theme going through, that there's a lot of questioning by God going through where the psalmist, seemingly to be David, was complaining to God about how long, God, how long, Lord, how long do I have to wait before these dark things will happen in my life? When will you forget me forever? When will you hide your face from me? How long do I have to wrestle through these sorrows in my heart? And how long until my enemy will triumph over me? The word how long is actually translated directly from the word Hebrew as until when. And when you look at the word until when in the Hebrew language, which is al-akna, it only occurs about six or seven times in the Old Testament. And when you look at the verses that use this term, they never really talked about the person asking really literally how long is something going to happen, or when will something will happen, or until when something will happen. But rather, the, Christ, the person wasn't asking for the temporal side of things, not about when, but whether he's really asking why. Why are these things happening to me? Why am I going through these struggles? Why, of all people, am I the one who is going to experience these things? And so when you realize in the same verses, the word me, me, and my happens in all of these pleas or complaints that the psalmists were asking God. That there's always something about some darkness that either he is experiencing or he's about to experience. And in this context, we, we are speculating. This is written to account for the time that David was about to go into battle and he is being abandoned either by his own generals or by the demands of having to overcome his enemies. And even possibly, this is a time when it is when David was fighting his own family because of the internal struggles in their own kingdom. And this is the darkness that David is going through when he was pleading and complaining at God about his own circumstances. But more importantly, he knows the answer to these questions. He knows that supposedly as a, as, as a follower of Yahweh, it won't be long because God should be faithful to, to, to his covenant, that God should be nice to his people. But it is at this present moment, during the darkest low point in his life, that he's asking the question, not how long, but rather why am I the one going through these struggles? But it gets deeper and darker. When we look at the verses in 3 and 4, David starts demanding for an answer from God. Consider and answer, Lord my God, 
give light to my eyes, or I will sleep in death. And my enemies will say, I have overcome him, and my foes will rejoice when I fall. Considered and answered. This is no longer just David pleading, but he's demanding for a reason from God. Why am I the one going through these dark times? I have been the most faithful servant you have known in this era. I have been following everything. I've been repenting whenever I've gone wrong. But why of all people am I the one going through this darkness? And it's almost like He's challenging God that you know better that if I have been following you and I have been faithful to you, I shouldn't be the one facing these hardships. So you better do something about this, God. And so when we look at what's going through in this psalmist's mind, you can't help but feel that in our own lives, we also go through a lot of denial ourselves especially for those who are going through depression and mental illnesses in their mental and healthy conditions. They'll go through a lot of denial. And it's even worse when you're Christian. You think that God has to be this good God, so he won't be doing anything bad to me. If he is doing anything bad to me, then he isn't this good God that I should believe in. And so a lot of times, People who are going through depression, or Christians who go through depression, go through this phase of denial that even if they're going through some sort of difficulties, they will try to rationalize their difficulties and say, oh, it's because I didn't trust God enough. I didn't trust Him hard enough. Or I didn't do the right things that God wanted me to do. And so if I ended up doing these right things, if I repent, then God will bless me and take me out of this mystery. Or even to the point where when you get to a point of depression, you start repressing your own emotions, where you're also denying your own feelings in your heart. That these sorrows, these frustrations, these pains that you're going through in your heart, you'll start thinking that these are not real. That these are only me letting go of my sins and my struggles. And so evil can take reign and I'm feeling these things. But in reality, I, we try to pretend that if we repress them and we just look at God and say, just ignore these pain and just grind it through and not even talk about it then eventually they'll subside and I don't have to deal with it anymore. But of course, for people that have gone through depression and struggles in their mental health, they know this is not true. That the more you repress these feelings, the more you're going to be numb to yourself. To the point where you don't just ignore your sense of pain and sadness. You also repress your own happiness. You repress any glimpses of joy that you experience because of this armor that you're wearing so that you don't have to feel any pain or any disappointments in your life. 
even when you're going through this dark time, you think that you do not deserve this. You think that if I did everything right, if I have been the one carrying the burden, carrying the team, carrying the church through these hardships, I shouldn't be the one that deserves this of all people. And you start blaming other things around you. You blame people who are trying to care for you for not taking care of you the way you want to. You start blaming the society because it's the society's fault that you are going through this pain. To the point where at the end, you start blaming God. That it's because of this God that I'm going through this hardship. That if I stop doing these things, if I stop following these rules, if I stop putting my faith and trust in God, I don't have to go through this pain. And I can just be an emotionally hardened person. And I no longer have to receive pain at all. And so, as you go down this dark path, you get to the point where you realize that the more you're blaming God, the more you also have this counter force pushing you back, saying that you're not supposed to express any anger to God. As any good Christian, you can't be mad at God. You can't be mad at the circumstances and attribute it or blame it at God. Otherwise, you are a sinner. You're an evil, terrible, bad Christian. Then you should be ashamed of yourself. But if you go through the Psalms, if you go through the Lament Psalms especially, you realize even someone like David would go and yell at his sufferings and his anger and plead in his darkest time. Even someone as faithful as Job would go and express his discontentment towards what's going on in his own suffering. And so the reality is we're not supposed to be holding our grudge at God. But God said we are free to express our own sense of emotions. We're free to express our joys, our disappointments, our, our excitement, and our anger to God. Because God is the one who creates authentic relationship with us. If we are genuinely angry in the inside, but we repress that and not tell that or open it freely to God, then we ourselves are denying that free channel of communication that God has given us through prayer, through the Bible, and through our quiet time with Him. And as I look back in my own struggles, I realize that I go through the exact same issue. And I can easily tell you that just because you have followed Jesus, just because you have professed your faith to devote your life to God, doesn't mean that you are free from these dark times of mental depression. That over the 10, 11 years I've been a Christian, 
I have gone through multiple episodes of depressions myself. And there are times where it has gotten so dark that I even considered the idea of killing myself as a Christian. That life isn't any better just because you have once experienced this joy, that you have once experienced this purpose in your life. But the thing is, David and other other Christians or followers of God before us have shown us that just when you think it is a dead end in your depression, doesn't mean there is no way out. But instead, a mentor in my seminary studies once told me that life is like a maze. And if you are someone who tends to be very depressive in your personality, you go to a maze and the moment you go to a wall that's in front of you, you automatically think it's dead end and there's no way out and you're done. And you completely just break down and give up and you just don't want to try anymore. Or you can be someone who see a dead end as just a detour. And he once taught us that if you go to a maze, just put one hand on the wall. And if you hit a dead end, just keep your hand on the wall and just keep moving one direction. And just turn around on your dead end and follow that one direction. And eventually, if you keep doing that long enough, you'll see the end of that tunnel. You'll see the exit, that, that solution, or even that chance to see that glimpse of light at the end of the tunnel. And I think this is where the psalmist David is trying to remind us in our own lives that in the final two verses of the psalm, it seems like there has been some time in between from his own experience of darkness to his own consolation in finding that way to find peace, joy, and love in God once again. And he says that, even though these things are happening, I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation, and I'll sing in the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. And when you look at these verses, you realize that the common threat tying these different ideas together, the turning point in David's Christ in finding consolation is looking into the past, is looking into the community that has brought him there in the first place. When he talked about trusting in God's unfailing love, there has to be a history of God living up to his covenant promise. There has been a lot of recurring events that he can recall, either through the people of Israel or through his own life from being that little shepherd's boy to become that, that, that court, court bard in, in, Saul, in Saul's court, being chased after by Saul in life and death situation over and over, but being delivered by God to the point where he became king. Where in, in the point where even though he has committed sin, 
has committed adultery against God, that God is still carrying through and carrying him out of these darknesses, that he knows that God is unfailing in his love for him. And in his rejoicing in his heart, that the word rejoice means to have joy again, which, which, which kind of alludes us that there has been moments in his time, in his life, that he has experienced joy in God, that there are moments in his life where he knows that God is the one who can deliver this joy to him. And in the end, he will sing the Lord's praise that there are other occasions, there are songs being written in the past that recount God's deliverance in the community of God of Israel. That there are multiple times that Israel has gone through this plight of darkness where God is seemingly missing in, in, in the world, but God is there to show them the way at the end. And so, mental health is not something that any individual can overcome by themselves. But it takes a history, a community, and a whole huge resource of our past collection of God's goodness in our, in our lives in order to carry each other together that as a community of God, we have to support, we have to show our kindness, and we have to proactively look out these people who might be living in darkness, even if they are pretending that life's okay, that lives are fine, even when it is not. That we have to be the ones proactively, just as Jesus was talking about searching the lost sheep, we have to be the ones proactively looking out for those around us that statistically show that one in three people in North America will go through some sort of depressive episode in our lives, which means that there's going to be someone sitting in your pew right now at this point that chances are they might be going through depression or has gone through depression or will go through depression some point in their lives, and that we as a community need to look out for them. But the good thing is, as a community of God, we have faith. But this faith that we have is not just something that is intellectual or just something that we can attain through just doing things. That in the Chinese community especially, we focus so much in our brains to know the knowledge of God. We focus so much on doing things, to to pray, to to, to fast, to, to read the Bible, to just do services or do these spiritual disciplines. But if we aren't equally open in our hearts, we won't be able to experience this fullness of faith that Jesus has taught us to follow. And so to be fully in Christ and to find that consolation in our mental darkness we need to realize that it's not something that is just in our brains or in our hands, but that faith is a symbiosis of the rationale in the brain, the emotions in our hearts, and the convictions through our hands, working 
hand in hand together in order for us to experience God. And to close up, when we talk about 50, 50 shades of gray reminds us that there are so much things that are darker than the human eye. There are so many things that humans cannot discern or understand in times of darkness. Why am I the one suffering of all people? Why are these things happening in our lives? But history reminded us that this idea of 50 is not something that just people go through in today's world. Even at the book of Acts, when we look at the Pentecost, there was a period that people are going in uncertainty. During the time of Pentecost, which in our liturgical calendar actually happened about a month ago, which, which uh, celebrates the 50 days after Jesus has shown himself to his disciples, that he told them to wait until his spirit will come and dawn on them. And that's when they are empowered to go and live out this purpose of making disciples in the world around them. And that living through this uncertainty, they are probably going through some sort of spiritual and mental darkness themselves, thinking, is this something worth trusting? that the longer they're waiting and the longer they're trying to, to wait, the more they realize that nothing's happening. And that until they hit the 50th day, that these 49 days is something that they are also in limbo. They're in darkness. And they are going to be frustrated and they're going to plead to God asking, why are we going through this when you can just deliver us? But we know as we look into the story that Pentecost happened and they are empowered. And maybe these, these are one of the stories that we can cling on to, that we can believe in, that even though there are times of darkness, there are going to be people who are going through darkness. That as a community, we are able to pull up each other. We're able to support each other. And just as the song we're about to sing later on, that there is no sin that is too great. And each person's story is equally worthy to be bring out to God. That even in times of darkness, our story is like a glimmering light to shine in this world. That those who have experienced these darkness can be a blessing to others who are going through the same struggles. And those who are already clinging on God with this strong faith, their stories are also that beacon of light for those who are living in complete isolation and darkness in their lives. And so as the worship team comes up and leads us into the song of response, I'd also like to invite anyone who feels a burden to those who are going through these struggles and darkness, to come up to the sides and offer prayers to those who might be going through these struggles and darkness. And those, if you are going through these struggles yourselves, or if you know of someone going through darkness and you are seeking prayer to God, 
in looking at these things, we do welcome you to come up and pray with any of us who are up here who are offering prayers. And so now we're at past the time for the worship team as they're leading us in the song, My Story.